Hello, this is Sadie Lincoln, and today we'll be mapping functional and mindful fitness on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The matrix is so important, not only because it prompts us to stop and assess but also because it reminds us of three very important factors in our care recommendations and outcomes. Everything is connected, we are all unique, and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Sadie Lincoln. Sadie Lincoln is the co-founder and CEO of Bar 3, a fitness company focused on teaching people to be balanced in body and empowered from within. Starting in 2008 with the flagship studio in Portland, Oregon, Bar 3 has grown to include more than 140 franchise studios powered by female entrepreneurs, plus an online workout streaming subscriber base in 98 countries. Sadie is on Inc.'s Female Founders 100 list, has been featured on NPR's How I Built This, and speaks regularly on the topics of mindful leadership, the power of body wisdom, and the movement to redefine what success in fitness really means. I think you're going to savor this very important conversation about mindful movement just as much as I did. Sadie, welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, as you know, Sadie, I love the word functional. And at its core, it means that things work, right? So can you help us understand how you define functional movement? Yeah, how things work in real life. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Um, I think so much. And when it comes to fitness, I think we've been conditioned to believe that fitness is for superheroes and Mm. people who move in maybe a more sports way, you know, to win the race uh, or to be an extreme bodybuilder or to just be totally a physical look and ideal. Um, We've been conditioned to believe that that's what fitness is. And really, I feel like my life's work is unlearning that and remembering that, no, we can move and exercise so that we move through life with ease and 
in a very empowered way that feels good and feels congruent to our everyday lives. So that's how I define functional movement. And you bring such intention to movement. I mean, I love bar three and I really, I think we figured out, Sadie, it was like 10 years ago that we first worked together. And what I found in bar three classes was just that kind of it was almost like an inner muscular movement. Is that the right way of phrasing it? Sure. Well, yeah, I think that inner health is so important when it comes to movement. And again, we've been conditioned to believe that movement is for an outer ideal, mm-hmm. how we look on the outside, which by the way, is usually like in, in mainstream fitness, if you advertise fitness, it's it's literally an after picture of someone that's worked out for a while and then they turn into this, right? right. This this ideal and inherent in that message, first of all, is that they weren't good enough to begin with. And then it's impossible for any of us to reach that after picture because it's of somebody else. And even if it is of ourselves, it's in the future. That's not real. It's mm-hmm. imagined. The other thing that gets me is the whole campaign about bouncing back, right? If you have a baby, our job is to bounce back through fitness. And again, completely not possible. <laughs> Once you have a child, you are forever in that moment, right? Mm-hmm. It's we don't want to bounce back. It's about being present. And I think that's what's missing in fitness is building the presence muscle of exercising to be present and attuned with our bodies as they are in that moment of movement versus trying to get to the end games, kind of like the mental muscle. Which brings us back to that idea of practice, which you also talk about so well, just the idea that we're coming into this practice and it's a way of kind of just showing up for ourselves every single day. It is. I was just doing a presentation and I went through and I changed. We were saying bar three classes, bar three classes. And I just went through just today and changed it all to bar three practice, bar three practice, Mm -hmm. bar three practice, because it really is a practice. And when exercise becomes a practice, again, it feels more congruent with our lives because exercise can be a practice of becoming alive and honest in our bodies as they are versus an exercise of fighting our body to the finish line or to that ideal. That's a a real nuance. I think once people kind of that light bulb goes off, it's like, oh, I can practice feeling better in my body, you know? Right. When we think about the movements themselves, one thing that really struck me several years ago that I heard you talk about was, was in relation to the length of time of the practice that even 10 minutes in the middle of a stressful day can make a difference. And I was thinking about you, Sadie, just recently, I was listening to Brene Brown's podcast with Emily and Amelia. They wrote a book on burnout and they were talking about how we don't finish the stress cycle. And that idea that we move to kind of get ourselves out of the stress cycle, that we actually need to be in a state of movement to release some of the tensions that we are building up in the day. And I was thinking about you because of that 10 minute to stop what we're doing and actually move. Do I have that connection right? Yes, I love that. Yeah. Again, we've been conditioned, we have been taught, and it's so hard to get let go of this anchor that around these formulas that are actually myths that 
for example, I know I've been conditioned to think I need to have my heart rate up in the fat burning zone for at least 30 minutes for it to count, right? For it to be good for me. And then we've been taught this idea of no pain, no gain. And time for sure is a part of that. Like the longer we go, we're conditioned to believe the better it is. When in fact, when you study people who are the most healthy, um, and I always add happy and alive in their bodies, those are the people who move all day, who do it in little, little chunks throughout the day. It really isn't of service to the body. And this is proven scientifically. If let's say you go on a big, like 60 minute, I don't know, run in the morning or a spinning class or whatever it is. And you work out really, really hard for a long time. And then you sit in your car on the way to work. You sit at your desk all day. You sit back in your car on your way home. You sit at the dinner table. You sit on the couch and then you lay down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's counterproductive. It's a lot more productive to move throughout the day, even if that means sitting on an exercise ball, getting up, taking three big, deep breaths. The diaphragm is a muscle in our body and just filling our body intentionally with breath. I mean, it doesn't even need to be 10 minutes. Just little bursts of movement throughout our days can be a real game changer. So speaking of bursts, Sadie, I know at some point you added a little bit more of the kind of burst movement into the bar three practice, not the classes. Is there a benefit to short term or short duration burst exercises on the physiological system? Yes. I think in general, it's good to blend cardio, strength, conditioning, and mindfulness. You know, a combination of all those three things is really healthy and it's a balanced way to look at exercise through that lens. And when you do the short cardio burst, there's a recovery that happens that's good for the cardiovascular system. It's good for our energy. It's good for our moods. It feels good. It's not depleting. Sometimes having a prolonged high-intensity cardio workout can raise our cortisol levels, which you know in your world is counterproductive for the body. So it really is about, and one thing I know you and I share, and I've learned a great deal from you in in the world of food is the idea of body wisdom. Mm-hmm. And that even more important than even a cardio burst, I would say, is, is starting to be in touch with your body and to really know, what do I need right now? Do I need a cardio boost? Do I need a deep breath? Mm-hmm. Do I need child's pose? Right. <laughs> you know, we know what we need. When we, when we build that muscle of looking inside and asking ourselves and then moving in a congruent way with that is where we see the best results. Sadie, what do you wish that the coaches and clinicians listening who are so focused on the body's physiology and biochemistry and autoimmunity and methylation and all these things, what do you wish that we practitioners knew about the importance of movement? I think that there's the science of movement, which we all have studied for years and we know to be true. It is good for us. It's proven science. It's it's a it's a scientific thing that we've studied, right. right? Yeah. We know cardiovascular exercise is good. We know strength building is good. We know joint mobility and flexibility is good for us on so many different levels. I think what's missing is the mindfulness component of fitness. 
And that, yes, it's so interesting to me. And you can look at the data. I mean, we all know we've won the hearts and minds of the vast majority of Americans. Americans are educated when it comes to physical fitness now. We know it. We understand it. Plus, we deeply desire to be more fit. And we have more access than we ever have. And I would say to anybody listening to this, then why are why is our health declining so rapidly? Mm-hmm. Why aren't we exercising? We aren't. Like, the vast majority of Americans don't exercise regularly. 91% of women in North America have low body satisfaction. Mm. They don't like, they, they don't feel good and happy in their bodies. They want their bodies to look differently. The actual science isn't enough. I think what's more important is the psychology of why we struggle with fitness. And perhaps if we started to look at fitness different and started exercising for a different reason than just the the result, we would build a healthier relationship with exercise. It would be something that felt more like us, you know, instead yeah. of the supermodel, the super athlete, the the science warrior, the Pilates expert, the yogi, the dancer, you know, we've, we all think of fitness as someone else besides ourselves. How have you seen that changed over the time? I mean, like you said, we are so much more aware than when you began in this field about the importance of fitness. But what about women's perceptions of our bodies? I mean, it seems like we have more awareness there too yet it's in our head and not somehow in our hearts because it's not changing. And that's right. It needs to be action oriented now. Two people in my close inner circle over COVID have struggled severely with anorexia. Our dear family friends, their daughter has been hospitalized. I mean, that's just one example of, I think, an output of this overemphasis on body ideals and conditioning around exercise, fitness, what's attractive, what's worthy, what's winning. I think we've made great strides when it comes to body positivity. Just in the last maybe three years, for example, I was on anthropology recently looking for jumpsuits and they were, there's all different size women modeling the jumpsuits. That's a brand new thing, right? Totally. Underwear ads, like we're seeing cellulite, we're seeing like a whole different, whole different picture. And yet we accept it in others and still not in ourselves. In ourselves. And that's where the practice comes. So Mm -hmm. we've made great strides. And then I think it's compassionately practicing that, that love towards ourselves as we move, as we move, like have that be the practice. Like Today, I'm going to move for 60 minutes and I'm going to practice being compassionate and honest in my body today. Like that's going to be my intention through the entire 60 minutes. I think once we adopt that kind of intentionality, it'll show up more in in our everyday lives. And we as women are showing up with more and more health challenges. I mean, from the young girls, like your daughter's friends, to ourselves at the ages that we are, and then our mothers and aunties, like we are seeing that more women are showing up with health issues that may impair our movement, or we think we can't do the kind of movement that we associate with exercise, whether that's jazzercise or running a marathon or whatever it is. And I feel like the movement that you present to us, Sadie, is for one and all. Yes. Yes. I'm really, really proud of that. 
And that's probably the thing I'm most proud of that we've accomplished at Bar 3. We are a group exercise concept. We believe in coming together in group, even if that means on Zoom right now during COVID. But right. coming together in group and witnessing, being shoulder to shoulder or virtually seeing people on a screen of different ages, different sizes, different races, different worldviews, mm-hmm. practicing being honest in their bodies and for example, modifying is is something we celebrate. If you choose to take a different posture than the instructor cues, it's a real sign that you're standing up for yourself and you're you're honoring what your body needs. That's a positive. You're moving your practice forward versus the kind of conditioning around, no, we all need to follow the leader. We all need to kind of be winning that way. And I think, you know, us witnessing that in each other and and the great diversity of movement and the great diversity of body styles. um, It really does become, you know, it's not a one size fits all situation, nor it should be. That would be so boring, right? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think what I really love about what you're talking about is bioindividuality, which is what we're all about in functional nutrition and functional medicine. And Sadie, you just brought a whole other light to what we can be thinking about with fitness, with functional fitness, and with what exercise and movement can be. So thank you so much for the work you do and the way you position it and all that you bring to what we could be doing with and in our bodies. Well, thank you so much. You have had a massive impact on my life. I am literally sitting here drinking good earth, sweet and spicy tea <laughs> um, at two, at three o'clock when I get my sweet tooth because of you 10 years ago, giving me this little tip. I, I'm not I kidding. That's that. what I'm thinking right now. <laughs> so, that makes me so happy. Yeah, thank you, Sadie. You're pretty amazing. You're welcome. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Check out the latest in functional nutrition at functionalnutritionlab.com forward slash blog. The 15-Minute Matrix is produced, mixed, and edited by Rowan Bradley with production support from Natalie Merrill and the team at the Functional Nutrition Alliance. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified each time there is a new podcast ready and waiting for you, head over to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. Also, we'd love to hear from you. We want to know your thoughts, your feedback, and who you'd like to hear on the next podcast. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com. 